welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 195th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 650th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 19th, 2020. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment is a call to remember something special. It's Indiana. Yes, Trace Jackson Davis was named to, named to the Naismith Award watch list. Yes, we witnessed the shortened taped Hoosier hysteria. And yes, we saw the release of the Big Ten basketball s- schedule. All interesting Indiana news. But I remind you, it's Indiana. As Hoosier fans, we love our basketball. We love Assembly Hall. And we cherish our banners. We support a number nine ranked football team a number 15-ranked women's basketball team, a national championship soccer program, a top-level baseball team, and all the other sports on campus. We as fans support the motto, 24 sports, one team. We wear the candy stripes, we buy bison sweatshirts, and we celebrate on Kirkwood Avenue. We are blessed with the voices of Don Fisher and Greg Murray calling the action. We sink the biz, we, we sing the alma mater loud and proud, and we root like hell. It's Indiana! So a new basketball season draws near. It's time to cheer a dunk from TJD. Question the sub-patterns of Coach Miller. Ask why we stay too long on ball screen hedges. But appreciate a good shooting effort and love us some Hoosier toughness. It's time to beat Ohio State in football. And it's time for all of us to be back in Assembly Hall. Well, at least virtually. Remember, it's Indiana. L-E-O. Okay, and now let me esteem my co-host for this week's, one of my co-hosts for this week's show... To my left, fun, fun, fun. it is the famous Andy Bottoms. Andy, what's on your mind this week? Well, I mean, uh, the schedule news is the, the big one from a basketball perspective. I know we'll get into that. Uh, you didn't get the uh, the most favorable of Big Ten uh, draws as you go through, but, uh, you know, I think it'll all be a good test for this team and remains to be seen, uh, focusing a lot on the home road. It, it remains to be seen how much of a factor that really is, uh, this year. But it, as you mentioned, just a lot of great things going on from an IU sports perspective, uh, had the Hoosier hysteria for the women's team tonight, which we'll also, uh, talk about later and just a lot of excitement building, uh, around that program, even though there's, uh, less known about the schedule as we were talking about with our guests before the show. Uh, and then from a, a football perspective, um, you know, big game against Ohio State over the weekend and a, a really good piece that uh, I, I retweeted earlier that I know a number of other people have as well from John Blau, just uh, talking about Tom Allen and, and some of the things that he's he's done to motivate players as he was uh, coming up, uh, even as a high school coach, just a really good read about the kind of guy that uh, that Coach Allen is. And, uh, you know, maybe they can uh, shock everybody over the weekend. But, you know, like I said, a lot of a lot of good things going on in the IU sports world and looking forward to hitting on a number of those tonight. 
And to my right, he is the voice of IU women's basketball, co-host the IU football post-game show with Ken Bikoff. And Greg, I still – and you do baseball as well, correct? Indiana That's right. baseball. Because my son absolutely – uh, cannot wait to hear your voice uh, from Bart Kaufman. Uh, and he mentioned that tonight, how excited he is that you're on the show. We welcome you, Greg, uh, to the assembly call. How are you feeling overall about uh, IU sports scene right now? Well, I appreciate you guys having me. And, and you know, it's exciting to be able to, to have something to talk about, right? It's uh, been football, which has been a wonderful story for the last month plus and, and obviously a monster of an opportunity for the Hoosiers this weekend. But, uh, you know, being on the postgame Colin show with Ken's been a blast these last four weeks. And it's been fun to watch the, the national recognition uh, from Tom Allen. And, and you're starting to hear, you know, on college game day, Indiana being just a, a regular name they're throwing around and, and people that are a little bit, behind the times, if you will, from a national perspective, but those that have followed Tom Allen and followed the Indiana program, you've seen the progress. It's building, it's building, it's building. Now it's fun to see that on a national perspective. So a huge game this weekend and a huge opportunity the rest of the way for those guys. And then, you know, before I hopped on with you guys tonight, it was really the first time I've sat down to, to prepare my broadcast spotting board, which just as a broadcaster, is so much fun. It's such a uh, just such a relief that it, it's here, you know. And, and Andy, you mentioned it for the women's side. The men's schedule came out. The women is still much more of a question mark on who and when they're going to play. But I know it's coming soon, and so I was able to put together my spotting board. So it's just getting that itch again. It's starting to feel like basketball season, which uh, here around Bloomington and in this state is a, a time unlike any other. Uh, yeah, it's it's time. You know, uh, it's been a long time, and, and March, uh, the seasons uh, for both the women and the men ended uh, so quickly. So here's what we're going to talk about this week. The men's uh, schedule came out, both the, the non-conference and then just recently the conference schedule came out. Uh, we're going to look at the outlet outlook for those uh, women who are ranked and for the men who start their season as, as soon as possible, uh, hopefully next Tuesday for the men and, and uh soon for the women and then we'll take your questions all of that coming up uh, this week on the assembly call radio before we get to all of that i want to tell you about a new sponsor who is joining us here on the assembly call it's superior insulation aka superior insulators and this sponsor relationship started like so many of our others have because the owner of the business brad is a loyal listener to the show and a longtime iu fan and season ticket holder so with winter right around the corner, the timing is perfect to tell you about Superior Insulators and why you should consider giving them a call. What do Superior Insulators do? They provide high-performance insulation and air barrier systems to the residential, commercial, and agriculture sectors. In other words, they help you live and work more comfortably by fixing drafty rooms, cold floors, and excess noise in your home and office, and they help you save money on your energy bills in the process. Yes, more comfort, and more cost savings. That's a real TJD double-double right there. And just in case you're wondering about their track record, let me sum it up in one word. Excellence. That's right. The Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy, 
Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus, so they're kind of a big deal. And best of all for you, they have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You will get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. They have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them Assembly Call sent you and you'll get your gift card. So visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more efficient, uh, energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And tell them the assembly call sent you to get your $50 home field gift card. And so, fellas, um, the the men's basketball schedule came out. We kind of knew a week or so ago the non-conference schedule, and we'll hit on that real quickly here. But um, there's seven games in the non-conference with the 20-game Big Ten schedule, Uh, a couple of traditional buy games in Tennessee Tech and North Alabama, uh, teams that are projected at the bottom of their respective leagues, and a Power Five matchup with Butler, who is – probably in the bottom half of the Big East. And then you have the Asheville Classic, also formerly known as the Maui Classic, uh, where Indiana could play some teams like Texas, uh, North Carolina, scheduled to start with Providence, and then uh, at Florida State in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, so, Andy, your thoughts on, on the non-conference schedule uh, for, for the Indiana Hoosiers? I think the non-conference is a, a pretty good mix. As, as you mentioned, you've got those couple more traditional buy games, which really got squeezed out by the, uh, you know, the, the scheduling limitations. So you figure there's a couple wins there. I think Butler's a game that they should win. Uh, the at Florida state game is, is potentially a tall order, although they're replacing a lot of pieces. So maybe getting them early in the year is helpful, but maybe you assume you lose that one and then you try to go two and one and, uh, in Maui slash Asheville, and and you get to five and two in a non-conference schedule that's going to be pretty full of uh, major conference teams, depending upon uh, who IU ends up playing in Maui. So I think it's a it's a decent mix. The Tennessee Tech game gives you a chance to get your feet wet and and see what happens, but uh, not a lot of not a lot of nights off, I would say in general. And certainly the same will hold true as as you get into the Big Ten portion of things. Greg, your thoughts as as that non-conference schedule came out for for the men's team. Um, Overall, yeah, I think it's important what Andy just referenced. You, you, you kind of just dive right in, right? It's 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 been a really unique off season, and so everybody's non conference schedule is going to be a little bit wonky. It's going to be all over the place. Some teams are going to maybe have a much more top heavy type schedule. Others are going to, you know, they're just trying to get games in, right? You're trying to schedule. You're trying to play all these games that we're looking at on the schedule. At this point, you hope they all happen in the time that they're supposed to and the travel that's, you know, so from the on the floor perspective, I think it's important just to to dive in and see what you have. I think Tennessee takes a great way to start and then you'll see some decent competition there at the uh, Maui Invitational. (laughs) It's it's weird calling it that. Um, And then obviously the big task that is Florida state for the ACC challenge. So that's always a great time. You end it with Butler in mid December with the crossroads classic. So, you know, it's, it's a good mix of competition and, and I, I, I find it hard to really nitpick on kind of what the schedule is just because of how odd and weird this year is. Um, the fact that you have seven games on the schedule before just the the grind of the Big Ten comes around, I think it'll be good for these guys to see, you know, where the bar's at when, uh, when you get into uh, league play. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, Andy and I are, are involved in, in bracketology, too, to see 
the difference in scheduled games. You know, some team plays 17 and other plays 22, depending on cancellations, or if someone plays a complete 27. But the one thing I think the non-conference schedule does for Indiana, gives them opportunities to get some good wins. Uh, and the strength of schedule will be there uh, for the Hoosiers when it comes to uh, tournament selection time. And then recently, uh, the, the Big Ten schedule came out, and unfortunately, uh, we don't play a round robin where we play every team twice. And so there's some imbalance issues at times with with the schedule and this year it seems like Indiana's Big Ten schedule uh, we got the tough end of the draw uh, by who we play twice according to preseason outlook um, you know so Indiana plays single plays against four of the bottom five projected teams and they have double plays against six of the top eight so when you look at it it looks like that non-conference schedule that's relatively tough for Indiana continues into the 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 Big Ten uh but my first question for both of you and we'll start with you Greg is this with with uh, no fans in the stands uh, Assembly Hall is a um is an advantage it's been an advantage for for the men and for the women lately with increased crowd size which has been tremendous the support for our women's program too that Assembly Hall has been a great home court advantage and the Big Ten and the men's has really been a strong, um, you know, t- it's difficult to win on the road. What kind of things do you think will be different this year with without fans as far as home court advantage? Yeah, I think it's different. You know, I think you're seeing that with football. This weekend's a prime example. Indiana football going to Ohio State. You know, the Buckeyes playing in the horseshoe. Michigan playing in the big house. Penn State at, at, at home. Those are huge, huge, huge advantages, and there's no – there's no substitute for that. And, you know, for whatever it is, it, you don't have that this year. And so, you know, there's certainly an advantage from a comfort perspective, playing at home, being in the locker room, being able to go shoot on the rims that you're familiar with, you know, so there is that familiarity and that comfort level that allows you to play from home, but there's going to be a big piece missing from assembly hall this year. And so, I think as Indiana goes on the road, as they welcome teams in, it's going to be, you know, a big, big neutralizer. And so Indiana's going to have to find a way at home to to make sure they bring that extra juice that the fans bring at Assembly Hall that's simply not going to be there. Um, but everybody's going to have to deal with that, right? That's going to be a big challenge for, for some of these teams that are playing at home. But, you know, perhaps it makes it more of a winnable, if you will, situation when you go away from Assembly Hall. But then on this same token, other schools are thinking that same thing when they come to Bloomington. Andy, uh, when, when the schedule came out yesterday, I know uh, our group texted back and forth. Your, your initial thoughts, uh, it does look like there's a chance to get off to a, a good start, but uh, it, it's going to be a tough grind for Indiana in the, in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think certainly on the surface, it looks like it's, it's difficult. You, you never really know whether these teams are going to live up to whatever preseason billing they have. And and it's one of those where, you know, I, I tried to focus, I guess, a little bit more on who you had double plays against as opposed to, you know, where the single plays actually were just because of what we said. I think, you know, you certainly have the the comforts of home and, and some of those kinds of things, but at least from a fan perspective, it won't be there. I have no idea what some of these places are going to look like from a, a shooting backdrop standpoint when there's not fans behind the baskets and different things like that. You don't know what. Uh, what kind of impact that may have just from a depth perception and, and some of those kinds of things. So you, you really just don't know what to expect, but certainly on the surface, it, it looks pretty tough. Uh, as you mentioned, you do have a, a reasonable chance to get off to a good start. Three of the first four are at home. Again, how much does that matter? 
But to me, it's more the fact that, you know, that those home games are Northwestern, Penn State, Maryland, all uh, picked to finish toward the bottom of the league. Now you've got a, a road trip to Illinois uh, mixed in there as well, but at least you got a chance to, to get out of the chute uh, pretty fast. But the middle stretch is, uh, is really tough. I mean, you go Purdue at Michigan State, at Iowa, Rutgers at Michigan, Illinois and Iowa at home. So you've got uh, a lot of games there against the teams picked to finish toward the top of the league and, uh, and all those games against teams that are at least picked to be in the mix for an at-large uh, spot in the tournament. So that'll be a big, you know, make or break stretch there. But, you know, win some of those first games, get some confidence. And, uh, you know, the other thing you don't know, in addition to what teams are going to be like is, you know, by the time you get to some of these games, what personnel are you going to have? What personnel is somebody else going to have? Who's coming back off of a quarantine or something like that? So uh, it's all pretty surface level uh, stuff at this point because uh, these games could take on a, a life of their own, dependent upon you know when you play somebody and and who they've got available. So tough to say, but but certainly at first glance, it's not the uh, not the easiest in the world. Like a, a couple other teams with Michigan and and Purdue were the couple that stood out to me that had a little bit easier uh, way to go. And you know the way I'm looking at it too from from a bracketology. Uh, perspective it gives indiana chances to get good wins uh and, and who knows with with all the 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 net and the ken palm and all the things that have been traditionally used by the ncaa committee they may simply look at uh you know with a variety of numbers how many big wins did you have um you know, obviously, you can't go eight and twelve or something this year in the big ten i think and and make the tournament but um playing the big boys can have um you know, a stronger schedule can really benefit in a year like this that uh, you have more chances for those wins instead of just piling up wins against teams that are, are inferior. So at least uh, maybe that's just me being being hopeful after after looking at the schedule. Greg, I'm going to throw, throw a little curveball in this because I want to ask from a, a, an announcer's point of view, uh, you're getting ready to call some women's games, and it'll be without fans. Uh, have you thought about what that's going to be like and, and how weird that will be for you? And then a little bit of extra pressure on you to bring the, the, the game to everyone who's listening um, who can't get in. There's going to be more people tu- tuning in because of the success of the women. Yeah, you know, obviously you wish that fans would be able to pack Assembly Hall, both men and women, but you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be that. So from a radio perspective, I, I suppose a little bit more pressure on me to paint that picture. Uh, and, and same goes, you know, same goes for Don as the eyes and the ears and, and everything in between. You know, for a women's game, it, it, it doesn't draw as the men do as far as selling out Assembly Hall and things like that. But, you know, for anyone that's that's followed along with the success of the women's program these you know really since terry morin's been here the last six plus years the attendance numbers have jumped and, and they've jumped dramatically and and are continuing to do so and you would think that you know with the expectations that they have for this season that that the numbers attendance wise would be even greater but it's definitely going to be weird you know from a from a broadcaster standpoint i think there's a little bit more strategy on maybe where to put those uh nat sound mics and uh you know the rim mics they might pick up a little bit more audio than uh than we're used to which can be good and bad depending you know we've all been in live competition and knows uh what what noises and and maybe verbiage that can come out of there. So it'll be an adjustment. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but uh, you know, from a radio perspective, I, you know, I hope I can, you know, paint that picture. As we said, it's going to be really interesting going on the road um, because Don and myself 
men's and women for we will not be traveling. So that's going to be a whole wrinkle to it's going to be a whole different setup when uh, we get into Big Ten play and are traveling on the road and have to broadcast from somewhere that's uh, not a, the live basketball arena, you know, that we're calling games for. So it's going to be different uh, for everybody involved, players and coaches. And, and, you know, we're tossing broadcasters into the mix, too. <laughs> well, we have a lot of faith in you, Greg. We know that you're going to do, do a great job. So, OK, uh, coming up. Um... Uh, Hoosier Hysteria is now in the books, so it's time to look ahead to the uh, regular season for the men's and women's team and look forward to them actually getting on the court and playing games. So what are the outlooks for each squad this season? We'll discuss next. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is A.J. Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers! Welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch these replays and see all the between segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash assemblycall. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and our special guest, Greg Murray. And now it's time to talk a little women's basketball. Uh, as our 15th ranked women's team is preparing to start the season. And um, we're not sure of the schedule quite yet. Uh, it's, it's up in the air uh, because of the, the health situation. Uh, but we're excited about this team. And, and Greg does the, the broadcast for the women's team. So we brought on the expert uh, to talk a little women's basketball. And if we would start out, Greg, you just give us the pitch, the elevator pitch uh, for people who, who might not uh, uh, know about the uh, the women's program and uh, how exciting it is to watch these uh, women play. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's first and foremost, it's a terrific brand of basketball. These are really, really good players that play together very well. And it's been amazing to watch, you know, six years that Terry Morin has been with this team now entering year seven, just the steady growth from year one where the program was and it had a, maybe a little bit of momentum, but still with a lot of work. And Coach Morn was able to build it from starting with the recruiting classes of Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill that were freshmen in Coach Morin's first year. And obviously it's grown a lot since that time and now have uh, household names in the women's basketball world, at least in the Big Ten, certainly in Allie Patberg and Grace Berger. You know, they're in the conversation for one of the more talented backcourts in, in certainly the Big Ten, the region, if not the whole country. I mean, this is a this is an experienced group. Many have played since their first step on campus. So now as upperclassmen, they're experienced. This team was posed to do 
things that this program hasn't done in a long, long time. Last year, they set a program record uh, of 24 wins and and obviously didn't get a shot in the NCAA tournament. They were going to be between that four and five seed, and you lose only one starter from a year ago and Brenna Wise, who was a big role last year, certainly. Um, but those names I mentioned of Grace Berger and Jalen Penn and, and you know, not the least of which Ali Patberg um, coming back. This team's going to be really special, I think, and and should be a whole lot of fun to, to watch and follow along with all season. Yeah, it was interesting watching the uh, the Hoosier Hysteria video last night. They, they had a, a segment of it for those who, who didn't watch it where uh, Coach Morin was was mic'd up. And uh, I mean, every every miss shot, every rebound off of it, it was go, go, get out and run. So they do play an exciting brand of basketball, but also really, uh, you know, I think a number of people have said this. If you really want to watch, you know, good fundamentals and things like that, the women's game is a great place uh, to do that. I know we got the chance to go down for a game last year and then subsequently watched a whole bunch of games with both my my daughters who are who who like to play. And it, it really it does give you a good understanding and perspective on on the fundamentals and what they do and, and coach Morin does a, a really good job with that uh so so greg you you mentioned a number of the players there so this might be a difficult question to answer uh with most of the roster back as you mentioned really outside of brenna wise uh is there a player that you see maybe really making the leap uh from from last year to this year uh two come to mind um uh, i think grace Berger first and foremost at that two three guard position may not be she might be the most talented player coach Morin, in in my conversations with her through the preseason and in our hoosier hysteria interview that we had where we sat down for a few minutes has mentioned a few times that you know more often not in practice grace berger has been the most talented player on the floor she can just she does things on the court that other players can't do um she has a, a a terrific consistent mid-range jumper she's got good ball handling skills she's continued to work year in year out now entering her junior season but trying to improve that uh, three-point shot um, but can create her own shot one of those players that you can rely on late in game when when you need a bucket and then I go to a, a player that's going to start for a second year or, or is on the team for a second year in sophomore Mackenzie Holmes who's at a Gorham Maine who was more of the sixth player role at the post position coming off the bench last year. Um, but I expect her to make make a big, big jump from that freshman to sophomore year. Uh, I see her inserting now into the starting lineup, and and I expect her to be in the, in the conversation for an all-conference type position. Um, she was the all, an all-freshman team honoree last year and, and put up good numbers, a few double-doubles, and, and certainly made an impact. But I know her conditioning has improved. She's got great hands and good ability to finish around the rim. And she's also gained the ability, uh, according to Coach Morin, to step it out behind the three-point line. She didn't even attempt a three-pointer last year, but Coach Morin's talked a lot about her ability to, to use the three this year and, and the way that she's expanded her game. So... I think what stands out about this team is that all five spots at any point in time during the game could go get you a bucket if you need to. And again, it starts at the point guard with Allie Patberg, and that it can go to a guard spot with Grace Berger and Jalen or in the post, Alexa Goulbase, a strong center uh, or forward position, and then Mackenzie Holmes in there as well. Yeah, the Mackenzie Holmes thing was interesting. I listened to the interview with Coach Morin about her stepping out to uh, shoot three. So if that that works well to go with her uh, post move, just to go back to the fundamentals, um, she's she's one that really has good footwork in the in the post and came in as a freshman and was able to 
uh, you know, really do well against tough competition because of that. So I know you were going to jump in, Coach, but I I, 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 I was just going to ask. Go. There's there's a couple of newcomers uh, on the roster that had set out as as transfers uh, that come from uh, that have had good pedigrees in college game playing at the University of Notre Dame with Danielle Patterson, and I'm going to totally butcher Nicole's last name, but she was a ten player of the year before she transferred and set out a year. So if you could uh, uh, help me with the the last name, but what kind of impact will those two, uh, after sitting out uh, a year of transfer, uh, make for for the women's program? Yeah, so it's – and I'm not going to quite say it right because I just – I don't know how to roll my ends yet, but out of Madrid, Spain, it's Nicole, Nicole Cardano Hillary, and that was the very American way to say that. <laughs> um, but they had uh, in the player introductions in the Hoosier Hysteria last night, the women's program had their parents – uh, video record them, introduce them, and Nicole's dad uh, rolled it perfectly. So I'm going to rewatch that video as the season gets started so I know how to uh, <laughs> say her name properly. So she comes out in transfer, and she's interesting because at least as we have it right now, she just transferred this last offseason. So it has not quite come out yet officially if she is going to be eligible this year or not. Uh, if she is, then I expect her to be a nice threat on the outside. She's a guard, five foot seven, very experienced. She comes off as a, just a terrific scorer on the offensive end. And then, as you mentioned, Brian, in the in the front court, Danny Patterson, who comes out of Notre Dame, and Indiana, Indiana's had some good luck with the, the Notre Dame transfer. Ali Patberg came a few years prior, so uh, Danny's a, a, a terrific teammate. Excited to see what she can do on the floor. She had. Uh, a pretty serious knee injury uh, once she got here to Bloomington. So it will be interesting to see maybe where she's at physically. And I don't mean from a, not a health perspective. I know she's a hundred percent and, and was, was moving up and down the floor, even in practice last year when everything got shut down, but just from a live game action, it's been some time since she's been out there. So a player that knows a whole lot about college basketball can do a lot of different things. And I think with some time, she'll continue to improve uh, every single game. It can provide some depth at that maybe three, four spot probably for Danny based on uh, off of her size. So can Indiana's going to have the ability to play big. They could play small and mix it up a little bit lineup wise. And, and those two, or certainly that one with Danny Patterson uh, will allow them to do that. Yeah, you mentioned the the player interest from last night. My my favorite, and probably a lot of people's, was the uh, was Alexa Gulbay's family from Latvia. That was that was fantastic. Um, so so you you touched on this with Coach Morin during your your interview, but you know they came out and were picked as the preseason favorites to win the Big Ten. Uh, certainly a, a change for for them to be the the hunted and not really the one on the on the come up trying to trying to do some things. So you know you've been around the team as much as. Uh, certainly more than than coach or I uh, you know how do you how do you feel like they're set up to deal with those kinds of expectations well I picked them I have uh, one of the media votes that uh, coach Morin was was pretty quick to say it's not that she doesn't care what the media thinks but what stood out to her was that the coaches also chose her program as the preseason favorite and so I think that spoke to you know, her peers, Coach Morin's peers around the league are picking up on, you know, the success that this program's having and the expectations. But, 
you know, they, they don't try, they, she talks in coach speak, you know, they don't, they don't talk a whole lot about it. They'd much rather be at the top of the polls and, and at the top of the conference in, in March or at the end of February than, than here we are in, in early November, but it's, it's fun for us three to talk about. And certainly it's fun for me to talk about on the radio, but uh, you know, I picked Indiana to win the interesting aspect with this year, specifically when the big 10 for women's basketball is that the Big Ten in this sport truly is is Maryland's league until proven otherwise. They have always been, you know, at the top of the league, you know, whether it's ACC or since they moved over to the Big Ten. Nationally, they've always gotten a whole lot of recognition, and they recruit that way. They have some of the best athletes and, and the best talent in, in all the country every single year. They graduated a four-year starter in Kyla Charles, who was, in my opinion, one of the better players in the last two decades. I think in this league, very underrated player, kind of a do-everything player. Um, she graduated last year from Maryland, and then they had two other starters um, lost them due to transfer, who are both all-conference picks. So Maryland, not to say that they're down, but they have lost some talent from previous years, and so maybe have a little bit more unknowns on their roster. Northwestern had a very good year. They uh, were co-champs last year. And then there's Indiana, who finished fourth in the league last year, was well on their way to a solid seed in the NCAA tournament. And as we've talked about, they didn't lose a whole lot. So they're a proven commodity. And I think this could be the year that, you know, someone is there to overtake Maryland and and kind of make, make that next step for the rest of the league. But Michigan's going to be solid. There's a lot of good solid basketball teams in the big 10 which is no surprise and uh, i expect indiana to be right there in the mix at the top well Co- coach morin's just done uh from my vantage point just an excellent job of of building that program uh you know and it took some time early and then eventually with the nit championship and then you've just seen solid progress uh since then to now where they're they're, they're the conference favorites it's, it's just really good to see uh compare that a little bit to where the men are you know, in year four of Archie Miller, projected to be seventh or eighth in a very tough Big Ten. Um, is it fair to make those c- comparisons, or are the programs at two different spots due to the the length of the coaches being there? Um, and and what what do you expect from the men this year uh, in their season? Yeah, I don't know that it's quite a an apples to apples comparison, just based on I think the fact that you have players coming into these schools, Indiana and and most other schools in the league that don't stay for four years. That's just not, that's not a common thing in the women's game. It's more of a buildup for four or in Ali Patberg's case, six years um, to, to really develop these players in these teams. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's fair to compare, you know, finishing at a certain spot in the conference and where they line up. And as far as the men's expectations this year, you know, I think obviously with Trace in the middle, the the potential is high, but it's the Big Ten. I don't know how much of a difference there is from, you know, maybe not one to seven, but that four to seven you'd get in the mix where they're they're separated by a game or two. And, um, you know, you upset one or two teams and you're right there in the mix towards the end. So the Big Ten is the Big Ten. It's going to beat you up for two months, two plus months, however long it is, but for 20 games. And if you don't show up one night, you're going to get blown out the gym. And that, I think, is something to compare with from the women's game or the men's game. You got to bring it every night. And it's the Big Ten Conference. It helps you get that seating for the NCAA tournament. It's got a great reputation. And, uh, you know, that's why it's the Big Ten. That's why we love it. 
Yeah. So kind of similar, similar question to what we talked about with the women's team. Is there, you know, a, a player or two that you'd really look at on the men's side that really expecting to, to take a leap, whether it's a guy going from a you know freshman to sophomore or uh, something like that, anybody or, or, or just somebody you're really looking forward to, to watch. I've always been a big Jerome Hunter fan. I mean, it's uh, he's a guy that I've always been, you just kind of waiting for him to take off and, and, and have a breakout game. He's kind of been my guy that I've kept my eyes on for, for the years he's been here. Trace is as fun as anybody to watch. Rob Finnessy at the point guard spot's been fun to watch just from a, I guess a day one starter. I'm a big fan of those guys that come in, make an impact right away, and you can just see the growth from one year to the next. So I guess off the top of my head, those are the three that stand out. And then, of course, you know, you have the veterans and and that have been here for, for a lot of years that are that are hoping to maybe play one final season and, and kind of go out on a high note. So, so Greg, again, I'm going to throw another curveball because just I, I, I'm fascinated by the work that you do as a radio broadcaster. A, a couple years back on the Talking Hoosier baseball podcast, I had the privilege of interviewing you. I think you were in Omaha for the for the Big Ten championship at that time, and we asked you about how do you prepare uh, to call a game, and and it was fascinating to me. I think you had different colored pens, if I remembered right, for certain <laughs> things, and you talked about being excited earlier about getting your your call sheet and your information ready. So we have a, you know, a couple minutes here left in, in this segment. Could you share with our listeners how you prepare to call a basketball game and what that call sheet, kind of uh, the details of that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have two uh, legal sheets of paper that I have, a, you know, a roster and it's filled out with their stats. Um, early in the season, I keep it from the previous years, but, you know, points per game, rebounds per game, the whole sort. Uh, as I call the game, I keep track of points and fouls. It just helps me with the the flow of the game. Uh, but next to each player, I have room for individual notes, and I have tabbed with different colored pens. Um, I, I know off the top of my head if I'm looking for a stat that if it's a, a note from like a previous season or something like that, um, that's in green. Personal notes are in purple. And then in just regular pen can be – you know, if so-and-so is third in the league in scoring or they're, they've averaged 15 a game over their last four trends is how I like to phrase it. And then at the top, I have room for my team notes, the general talking points, whether it's pregame show or, or kind of keys to the game that I want to follow along with throughout. Um, women's basketball is different than, you know, the men's basketball broadcast with Don and, and, and Eric because they can kind of bounce off of one another where I, I'm the play-by-play, I'm the color. So to come unprepared is uh, not something that I'm willing to do because I'll pay for it. If I'm not, I'm going to struggle. It's going to be a lot of dead air and uncomfortable awkwardness on the air, which I like to avoid if I, if at all possible. So can never be over-prepared. I enjoy it. And I think the day that I don't enjoy the preparation, reading the game notes is, is, you know, the time that I need to decide to do something else. So I love it. I was excited to look into some possible uh, opponents for the women's basketball team. The only one on the schedule that I saw via social media today was the Kentucky Wildcats, which will be a, a wonderful top 15 test uh, for the Hoosiers. They're ranked somewhere like 10 to 12 and have one of the best scorers in the country in Ryan Howard, uh, who's a junior for for the Kentucky Wildcats. So the Hoosiers will be heading down there. 
Um, that's the only game I know that we're they're going to have pre uh, Big Ten, but I expect the uh, non conference to come out anytime. So uh, I'm just excited to get back to the hall, get back on the radio, and and do them play by play. There's nothing like it. So you're the Vin Scully of Indiana athletics broadcasting. When you do all these games by yourself, um, uh, we appreciate that, Greg. We we're excited about uh, both teams, the men's and the women's here at the assembly call. We think it's going to be a fantastic hoop seasons. Whatever games we get from the schedules that we get. And, and uh, we're looking forward to tuning in into your broadcast. So uh, coming up here in our third segment, uh, we'll, we'll answer your questions. We also will talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament in Indianapolis and those Indiana football Hoosiers. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than handing a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Thanks, Romeo. Um, hope you're getting ready for uh, your second season. Everything's healthy. Uh, but I'm Brian Tonson. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and our special guest, Greg Murray. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's time now for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com backslash community. And uh, we're going to start with Tyler's question tonight. What are the main things that you look for when IU plays a lesser opponent? For the men, it's like Tennessee Tech. Uh, how is this different when they play a more competitive team? So, Andy, we'll start with you. Uh, and, and let's take it from the men's program. We'll go to Greg uh, next for the women's program. What do you look for in playing a a, a by game or a, or a weaker opponent versus a more competitive uh, opponent? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll certainly look for you to jump in, even from a, a coaching standpoint, when we when we kind of swing it back around. But you know, I think for the Tennessee Tech game in particular, it's been a long time since these guys have played. I think it's just getting the rust off as much as anything. I, and I think as a coach, you know, we've seen Archie and try to try to schedule when you've got more of these by games, try to figure out how do you get teams with some different styles that might present different challenges for your team. Either somebody that plays really small, somebody that plays really fast and presses a lot. Um, I, you know, you don't have the luxury of that when you basically have two of those kinds of games this year. Uh, and I don't know enough about Tennessee tech to know, you know, kind of what, which of those columns they might fall in. But uh, I think you're able to experiment with some different lineup combinations for the freshmen, be able to get them some action and ideally be able to get them a decent amount of action to, uh, you know, kind of see who works well together and, and try some things out that you might have put in. You, you talked about making some notes on uh, during the, the video from last night, you know, what different 
things are they going to try to do offensively? I think defensively, you know what you're going to get uh, out of this team and how they're going to execute it. But uh, offensively, do you you know try some new stuff, see if you can find some things that work, put some things on film for other people to watch at least that you may have uh, plans for later. So I, I think it's just in in this season in particular, it's mostly about getting the rust off and actually running through something against somebody who might not know what's coming as opposed to doing it in practice. Uh, and really, it almost takes the place of what you normally do in an exhibition game where you get some of those things out. And so I think that's why it's important to have a game like that at the you know as the as the opener. Greg, your thoughts from from the women's program perspective on 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 playing teams that uh, you kind of expect to win versus the, those teams that are highly competitive. Yeah, I echo a lot of what Andy just said. I think this year in particular, it's just going to be good to see uh, see the teams out there on the floor again. But I think you know you, you talk about what maybe we look for is the newcomers, how they impact the game, how they transition from the high school game to the college game, or how the transfers fit in. Do you want to mix up lineups? Do you want to try and go big, go small? And and I think for the non-conference in particular, you look for teams that can maybe some that run a little bit more. You play maybe some other teams that really like to slow the game down. You you play teams that do a variety of things because, I mean, you see it every year that you get into the NCAA tournament and you see such con- contrasting styles that you don't want to be unprepared. You want to see a little bit of everything throughout the regular season, though, so that even if you're not, you know, fully prepared for it, you've at least seen a lineup like this or seen a lineup that does whatever this team that you're playing against uh, brings to the table. And then when you play the big teams, a a good team early in the season in the non-conference, to me, it's just a measuring stick. I think that's the biggest thing I look for is, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that IU women's basketball is going to play Kentucky. They're going to go down to Lexington and play them on the road. That, to me, is Indiana's first chance to say, all right, how good are you? Where do you stack up against another team that's got, you know, weekend two aspirations when it comes to the NCAA tournament? So that, I guess, are the big things that I look for when you're when you're talking a, a smaller school maybe that you know that you would expect to beat uh versus a team that uh is of a higher magnitude if you will yeah i i agree with with both of you from a coaching perspective uh it's also what do you do early in the season versus later when you play a, a lot more competitive teams in in the conference but you need you want to get things on film film study uh, is a huge part of, of the game of basketball. It is at our level at high school. We had our high school scrimmage last night. We learned so much as coaches, and then when we have film session with our players, you learn so much when, when you get something on film. If you play a lesser opponent early, you can try out a lot of different things and figure out what you like. If you go, to, if you start out the season and you play tougher opponents, you've got to choose the things that are going to help you win. So the game planning is a little bit different. But again, Andy said, mentioned getting some players some playing time against some of those lesser opponents is very valuable in case there needs to be a uh, an injury or a, a role changing. Um, but I think that's, uh, Tyler, um, the, the main difference between those two things. Let's talk a little bit of Indiana football as we have about three, three minutes plus left. Uh, big game against Ohio State. Just a pleasure to watch. This might be the best team I've seen, and I've been a season ticket holder uh, since 1985. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on, on the upcoming battle with Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on. I think Indiana, you know, weird season or not, I think they were ready to do a high, high level of football all season long. But 
playing at a high level and playing against Ohio State are are not always the same thing. Usually they're not. Um, now, we talked earlier playing without fans. That's a factor in this game. It, it, this is not the same trip to Columbus that Indiana plays in years past. This would be not the first test by any stretch because Penn State maybe not is – they're not maybe as good as maybe we thought they were. Michigan kind of the same deal going through some trouble. You kind of know who Ohio State is. Uh, they have a quarterback that not many schools have. They have players in a lot of positions that not a lot of players have. But you know this, Indiana's going to give them their best punch. There's no doubt about that. Um, they believe they're behind Coach Allen. And I know I, this, this game's one I'm looking forward to maybe than I – maybe more than I've been looking forward to a game in a long, long time. Andy, um, uh, is competitive good enough or, or are we holding out for a win here on, on, on Saturday? What's your, what's your feeling? As somebody who lives in Ohio and is surrounded by Ohio state fans, I would like love nothing more than a, than a win. But, uh, I, I do think, you know, being competitive against a team as talented as Ohio state would, you know, I, I Tom Allen isn't going to sit here and say, I'm, I'm here for moral victories and uh, any of those kinds of things. But I do think it would, you know, kind of similar to what Greg talked about before. It is a measuring stick game. You know, maybe, maybe these other teams that they played aren't as good as everybody thought they were. I'm not convinced that, that, that they're as bad as everybody's making them out to be now though. And, and I think it does give you a chance to see, because if you, you perform well in this game, even if you come up short and perform well, then you really look down the rest of the schedule. The trip to Wisconsin is going to be difficult for sure, as it always is. But uh, again, you take the crowd out of the equation, you do some of those things. So uh, I think IU is going to be able to put some points on the board. I think defensively how they can do something to contain uh, fields. But you also look that, I mean, the talent gap is still there between these two teams, but it has closed dramatically over the course of the last couple of years. And uh, we'll, we'll get a chance to see just how much over the weekend. Yeah. You know, I, I've been watching Indiana football, and, and I kind of grew up when I was in college watching Anthony Thompson, Dave Schnell. Uh, I was there when uh, two straight wins against Ohio State and beating Michigan uh, as a college student. Uh, and this is the best team. This is the most comfortable that I felt watching Indiana football. Instead of wondering, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to jump offsides on a punt on fourth and four? Uh, it's just like, okay, uh, interception by Penix. Um the, the first possession, okay, the defense will get it back for them. Uh, this, this team is talented. It's confident. Coach has done a great job. And, and you know, you have to be realistic. Uh, a lot of teams going into uh, Columbus will, will have a real tough task ahead. So I'm not going to predict anything other than we're going to get a great effort uh, by the Indiana Hoosiers. We're going to see Tom Allen jump up and down and give high fives. And I think we're going to have an enjoyable Saturday afternoon uh, regardless of, of the outcome. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. We'd like to thank Greg Murray for joining us and talking about the Indiana's women's basketball program. If you want to see us do the live show, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Take it from me, Christian Watford. Your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Um... 
I keep you guys for at least one one question about the Indianapolis tournament, and then I'm going to go over some of my um, takes and answer maybe some questions from the uh, chat mob about uh, the the Hoosier hysteria thing uh, that we saw. Uh, thoughts about moving the uh, the tournament to one location, Greg? Do you think um, it would be great if it were fans? Because I'd be down in Indianapolis and bouncing around and taking two days off or three weeks off of work. But um, your thoughts about in, in the current situation, if that's uh, a, a good thing? Yeah, I mean, first thing is, you. I think we all wish we could have been there. You know, you hear Indianapolis, and it's like, oh, that's great. Oh, there's probably not going to be any fans there. So it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter in that sense. But I, I think Indy is built for something like this. I think they're, it's such a wonderful city to host big sporting events from Super Bowls to, I mean, regular NCAA tournament weekends. Um, there's enough venues, I think, that you could spread it around from, from – what is it called? Farmers Coliseum, wherever the Indiana State Fairgrounds, whatever that Coliseum is called nowadays. Then you have Lucas Oil and Banker's Life and Hinkle's right there. And if they want to venture outside to Indy, maybe they come down to Bloomington or, or go up to Mac. You know, there's enough. There are enough places that you could, I think, feasibly do it. Um, if you want to keep it around Indianapolis logistically, I think hotels are there. Um, you know, I, I again, I think it's 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 a city that. It's has such a good reputation to host things like that. And I think, you know, with everything COVID wise that it, it makes sense to try and minimize the travel, keep them all in, if not one location, maybe two, you know, you saw that with, with major league baseball, as you inch towards the, the world series in the last few were played at two venues and then they collapsed to one. Um, so I think the idea is there and the fact that it's Indianapolis and, and here in the home state, yeah, it's basketball. Why not bring it here, uh, Andy? Your, your thought? I'm hoping that maybe it, it, it lessens up and they let a little more media in, and Delphi Bracketology can get media passes like we have in the past. And all I got to drive is 40 minutes to Indianapolis. But your your thoughts on on that news uh, breaking here? I mean, I think it, it it makes sense. They can't afford. I mean, literally and figuratively, cannot afford to not have the NCAA tournament for a second year in a row. So. Uh, I think you have to come up with something that gives you the best chance of being able to have it go off without a hitch. And I, I think being able to be in a in a in a singular place that does have uh, enough venues or enough venues, even within relatively close driving distance, um, that I, I think it makes complete sense to me. Uh, any of the uh, you know, the thoughts of people around other, you know, taking the student athletes out for that long, all those kinds of things. I mean, you don't know they're doing a lot of things virtually today anyway i don't you know and again there's the, there is the ongoing charade that it's not uh multi-million dollar <laughs> enterprise as well that you got to kind of get past at some point so I, I think it makes sense we'd look forward to it like like you it would it would stink to be that close to something like that that would be a once in a well what we hope is once in a lifetime uh experience but but yet not be able to to go in some form or fashion but um yeah i, I think it'll be It'll be great, as Greg said. Indy has has uh, earned rave reviews anytime it's hosting uh, major events and things like that. And uh, there's there's a certain uh, it's fitting to have uh, such a big uh, college basketball thing in Indiana. I think the one thing that I I think uh, the CBS podcast was talking about with trying to you know could they use some of the high school gyms? I think the court not being as long might present some. Uh, difficulties in that in that but it would be pretty awesome to have at some of those you know historic 
uh, you know, high school venues. I'm just not sure that's, uh, that's necessarily feasible, but would be potentially interesting to even uh, add that element to it as well. I'm this a proponent maybe a little bit far-fetched, but would the NCAA, could they lay a different floor on some of like the bigger high school gyms to, to make it possible? Uh, I would imagine, I would imagine, I mean, I, as someone who knows absolutely nothing about whether that's possible, yeah. I would say, sure. That seems, that seems feasible. I think some it of makes I mean, sense. to the yeah. extent that you have the space, uh, it, you know, it depends on the, the baseline, permanent, maybe the permanent baskets, how they're presented. Like at Newcastle, they have them in the ground. You're asking Newcastle to maybe move some baskets and stuff. Maybe the payday was enough that they could do. If you had to end bleachers on some, uh, you could take those out and maybe extend it, but then you still had to, the, you know, I don't know what the – yeah, I think they could do that. That would be cool. I'm a proponent of moving the Final Four to Indianapolis permanently, like Omaha with baseball. The road to Indianapolis, basketball in Indiana, let's just – you know, we're doing it this year. Let's let's move it on. Gentlemen, thanks for a, a great show. I'm going to talk a little uh, Hoosier hysteria. You're free to stay or you can uh, sign off. Uh, if you want to listen to my kind of craziness, you, you can. And, Andy, you can pipe in. Or, Greg, you want to pipe in, that's fine too. Or you're, you're free to go get uh, – a midnight snack, but Greg, thank you very much. Um, we really appreciate your, your, your work and your support of Indiana athletics. I appreciate it guys. Anytime. All right. All right. Thanks Greg. Y'all have a good one. Okay. You too. All right. For those of you in the, in the chat mob, I'll take any and all questions here, but here's my list and Andy, you can jump into and criticize me or, or whatever, but I, I did watch with a critical eye two or three times uh, that that 15-minute extravaganza called Hoosier Hysteria. And remember, I don't like Hoosier Hysteria anyway, but I was glad just to see something. In this downtime, um, I was glad to see something uh, as much as I don't like videos. But here's some things I really liked. Uh, Cliff Marshall, the zero talent. Um, I, I think that's really big. I know a lot of programs talk motivation and stuff like that, but energy and effort, uh, those are things that are going to bring Indiana back. Um you know, quickly. And and I really thought the segment with Cliff Marshall was really impressive. And I think they showed that because the fresh, they're introducing the freshmen in a different way, um, by, by seeing them come in and and their work ethic. I think Cliff Marshall does a a fantastic job. Um, you saw a lot. I think the other thing about that part too, is, you know, a lot of the times that this is a big recruiting event. Um, and I think to the extent that you could take that out and, and show recruits, Hey, this is the guy that we've got doing, strength and conditioning, just how important a role that is, what, right. what these guys are getting into and getting at. Some of them are getting out of it already um, that quickly. Potentially, you you, know, you strip that part out and do it. Or you got to at least have try to have some recruiting flavor to it or, uh, if nothing else, something that maybe is reusable that you could uh, take from that. And, and you know, basketball-specific training. Uh, I love Cliff Marshall talking about staying low and getting low and some of the slides they were doing. And, again, every program has strength coaches like that. But when you have guys that are really invested and did it on their own uh, and then coming into a college program, that's just an extra level. Uh, Geronimo's 3,100 power index, whatever he did there, was in elite company. And Cliff, the look on his face was exciting. And, yes, Jared, here here is your drop uh, that you asked for. Uh, turn your butt cheeks on there you go now you got the drop that you asked for on 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 the twitter uh cliff marshall uh with christian lander i'm not quite sure what that has to do with basketball but um i I thought the cliff marshall segment was was really interesting uh in the in the i'm not for the you know if you had a twin sister stuff i know that's more for the fans but here's the thing i took from all of that did you see the comfortability of al durham 
Uh, that shows a senior who's been through a lot of stuff. He was laughing and comfortable. And some of those guys are just like, what do I say? What do I do? Those are young guys. They're trying to figure out how to, how to behave in this program. Al's just ready to go. Uh, and I think that hopefully uh, none of this means victories. I, I cannot promise you I'm not here trying to sugarcoat IU as the next national championship. Just things that I, I as coach, you look for. That's senior comfortability. That's senior leadership. I, I think, um, uh, Al, that, that, that really came out to me. As far as the basketball stuff, I, I think you're going to see um, – obviously, you've heard about this ball screen stuff. You saw that was evident uh, in those clips. If you look, um, there was one time when Christian Lander came off a, a handoff from Trace Jackson Davis, sat down, and hit a three. You're going to see more guard-oriented offense. Again, the ball's got to go in the basket. they got to do it against opponents who scout, so it's no guarantee, as Kathy and some people were saying in the, in the chat mob earlier – that they're, you know, we're, we're going to shoot hundred percent if that's what we see, you know, cause every edited thing was a made basket, uh, except Jerome Hunter's tip dunk. Um, but you saw, you saw, um, there was a comment. If you heard a coach said short roll and the short roll, uh, usually when you hear pick and roll, the, the screener rolls all the way hard to the basket to try to force the defense to cover. But a short roll is one step off the ball screen. And what, what happens is if, Teams hedge and college teams hedge. Lord knows we hedge. But when you hedge, you want to get two players on one and you hit the short roll at the free throw line and now you're playing four on three. And some of those post moves where you saw Jerome Hunter, Race Thompson, Trace Jackson Davis, Joey Brunk catch at the free throw line and then run, you know, drive in, uh, those are short roll plays. But what you didn't see is um, if you look at any European basketball, and I've studied that this summer a lot, um, for our high school team, we're, we're running a lot of ball screens, but, um, you have kicks to the corner, you have a low post option. You have a lot of things off of that short roll. So it's very interesting. The one thing I heard that was mic'd up, I don't know which coach said it, but he said, TJD short roll, short roll. That means to me, they're playing a high pick and roll. They also hit Joey Brunk on the same thing. And then Brunk throws it to the wing and does a second ball screen. Um, many European teams set multiple ball screens and you don't get it off the first screen. You don't get it off the second screen. Sometimes you get it off the, the third screen. And so it looks like they're implementing some of that. Um, what also is interesting to me is the pull-up jumpers and the aggressiveness of the guards. And, and yes, they, they picked some things to show, but uh, you, you saw people catching and shooting threes. Um, Archie wants to go to more guard-oriented. It looks like they're trying to. Um, the aggressiveness of, of shooting, the pull-up game, even Rob Fennessy driving in, getting hit with the, the football dummy uh, shows me that they, they want to attack the lane north-south a little bit more. They still ran their, their double screen stuff. I saw a little bit of that. Um, and then Trey Galloway, if you go back and watch it, he makes two incredible post feeds. So these rumors about Trey Galloway maybe starting, I don't know that they're true. But he makes two post feeds where I thought the post was guarded. I I, I played him back in slow motion. Um, there's a guy who's going to make his teammates better. If he can thread the post and, and be a post passer, we, we talk about shooting, we talk about toughness, we talk about defense, but passing, hitting the open man in a position to score, um, that was exciting to me to see uh, to see uh, his, his play. So um, – that's a few takeaways from about five minutes of action. But as a coach, I'm just looking for stuff to give me some tells about what we might see. And the, uh, one more thing, trace shooting threes or um, 
Race shooting threes and Galloway shooting three, two guys that kind of were questionable three-point shooters. The reason they showed them is they're trying to show recruits, Andy, or other people that the the four spot is going to shoot the three this year, whether it's Jerome, Race, or or whoever. So that's that's a quick take. If anyone has any questions, Andy, you have any questions from my perspective as a coach? Uh, what we saw I feel in that like limited I need to go version, back and, but, and watch it now. You. Uh... Watch it, I, I watch it, slow it, it down. Walking around the house, and, and obviously they're they're going to pick the best plays. They're not going to throw show Trey Galloway's turnover. You know, they're they're not yeah. going to show the brick from Armand Franklin. <laughs> uh, there, there was another thing too. They they showed a little transition, so they showed the most positive things of what they're attempting to do. And obviously, you want to execute those at 70 percent efficiency in a game uh, to win games. That you're, they're never all going to be perfect, but. Um, Kathy asks, uh, "Why didn't we see anything with Coach Miller?" Well, you saw him at the beginning, at the end. If you're, are you talking practice, Kathy, in, in the practice film? Uh, I addressed that in the in the community. I answered a question. Sometimes coaches have uh, different ways of running practice. Um, I know I had a year where I had six assistants, Andy, as and we went to the Final Four. We were one game away from the state championship in 2003, and it was the best year I had because I'd sit at center court. And I wouldn't say anything. I'd have my notepad, and I'd watch a blockout drill at this basket. I'd watch a guarding a down screen on this basket. And if I wanted to talk to players, I'd call them over um, to me. So um, I would imagine what you saw, because you saw the coaches in the drills, that it takes a lot of energy to run drills and be a hype man at a basket for a drill. And your evaluation is better when you can pull yourself away. Um, so I don't know that for sure. I'm not in there. I know that I coached better when I wasn't active at practice as a head coach. So I could really think about what I was seeing and evaluate players. Other head coaches love to get in there. That's part of their vibe and they want to get in and they want to be active in drills and rebound with the guys. Um, all I know is I did better when I, you know, sat, sometimes I'd sit in the bleachers and just watch. I didn't teach the coaches and then expect the coaches to teach, um, more of a football type of mentality. So I'm, I'm expecting maybe, Kathy, that's what why you didn't see him in many of the practice clips. Or they just wanted to show the assistants doing work. You know, you have uh, Roberts, who's in his second year, and Hunter, who's first, and you want to give them some attention and, and let them know that they're, they're active and show them how they participate. Because you do want to appreciate your coaches, too, and that might be a little way of, of saying, hey, I'm out of the limelight. These guys are the ones doing a lot of the work. So um, hopefully yeah, – I thought it was a little bit of a – good way to get to uh, get to know is way too strong but with kenya hunter you know kind of people getting familiar yeah. with him maybe is a, right a and, and that's the way i kind of interpreted it. interpreted it yeah anybody else um coach you already gave more time i would have i would have definitely taken the under on whatever uh time would have been thrown out for you discussing the answers to the uh if you had a twin sister question so the fact that you discussed that at all i was i was shocked by it but <laughs> Your your hey, takeaway your takeaway was good. You were thorough. You you evaluated all parts you know, of the video. So I, you, I, beauty I and outwards is not really important. But if I had a twin sister, I'd feel sorry for her. <laughs> I I wouldn't even want to have a twin brother. Two of me is bad, Andy. <laughs> One's not so good. Oh, <laughs> but no, I I. There's not enough to see, and you got to see a live scrimmage. And I, I do, I do understand a lot of people saying, "Well, we want to see the misses, we want to see the turnovers." Yeah, you'll you'll see that Wednesday when they play. By the way, I'm sorry, I, I said Tuesday. Our first high school game um, is Tuesday, and I had that in my mind. Uh, Indiana does start Wednesday, I think, in, in the first segment or second segment. I, I misstated that, so my yeah, bad. Wednesday at Wednesday at eight, I believe, is the Wednesday at the that. Time. So um, 
No, but but um, again, you, you don't look at the ball going in the basket. You look at Jerome Hunter's going to play the four. They have him with his back to his basket. They have him. I, I was going to say that was the one thing that I noticed that, yeah. that you didn't bring up was that they showed him on a few occasions, you know, kind of working against race in the in yeah. the post a bit. And uh, so I think that's a, a good sign. That was something he did a little. I feel like he did that a more early last season when he would right. come in where you saw a little bit of that. I'm Maybe my mind is because uh, that, that feels like it's been about six years ago at this point. But I, I do recall him doing that a little bit more. And he certainly did that in high school based on uh, based on his size. So I think he has that that skill set in him, particularly even if he's playing the three to post up a smaller guy. Hey, and I think it was um, I think it was John Blau or someone set a picture out today. They must have had another scrimmage today. Trey Galloway's shorts, man, 1980s. More reason to love the dude. He's got the real <laughs> short hair, the short shorts, and his hair's all disheveled. Kind of looked like me when I was good looking, when my hair would just flow. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy, for uh, wishing me luck. Um, I hope we play. We've already got uh, a one cancellation. We have our four-year senior, four-year letterman is out for two weeks. Uh, his mom um, has COVID, so he's got to be quarantined. And our uh, a sophomore guard that's a, a backup is out. So we're, we're already starting to get hit a little bit um, uh, with the COVID. And uh, games are being canceled all over the state. So uh, we, we hope that we play, um, just like we hope Indiana plays. Any other questions before we sign off from the chat mob about what we saw on Hoosier Hysteria? The, the other thing, too, um, the Archie Miller thing, that they the, some of the clips were a scrimmage, and what you do is you put one assistant on one end and another assistant on the other, and, and the coach then just, again, sits and, and watches and then evaluates uh, evaluates film. Oh, it's Dustin. Dustin noted the shorts. My bad. I'm messing up all over the place. Hey, a- Andy, I'm pretty no, happy. I hit it, ran a smooth board tonight. So always my nervous. I'm going to mess well up. Well done. Well done. In sealators is really hard to say, though. It really is. And then it sounds like, see, that's why the first time that I read it, I felt like I had to justify what I was doing so the yeah. people didn't think I was an idiot. I know. Then, you know? know. Yeah. In sealators. Yeah. It's like, does this guy not know that it's insulators? And it's like, yeah, but I also want them to get their... Uh, get their due and for people to know where to go and then i mean luckily you're spelling it when you're given the website but yeah i had the same I, I i've had the same thing i felt like i was more comfortable with it last week but yeah the first week i was like i really feel like you need to enunciate so that people know <laughs> what's going on but well, all's good all right everybody i'm gonna call it a night get this file over to jared um again stay positive stay healthy uh be thankful thanksgiving next week i'm thankful for uh the, the crew here at Assembly Call, I'm thankful for all of you Indiana fans who've come to tailgate. Those of you in the chat mob, um, it, it's a good community. In times like this, we need each other. So let's go win a game. Absolutely. All right. Let's all see. Right. Uh, I'd love uh, boy, I'd love to see one over the weekend. Oh, that would be great. I, I can't even tell you being around these Ohio State fans since we've lived in Ohio for however many years. Man, uh, no. I don't know Dare, if Delphi, dream, right? I don't know if Delphi is ready for the reaction <laughs> that I will display if we beat Ohio State. <laughs> hey, the chat mob might need to collect some bail money. Oh, nice. We'll we'll put something <laughs> together for you. We'll take uh, care of you. Yeah, all right. Take care, right. everybody. Thanks to everybody. Take care. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.